Welcome, yes, it's me once again. It is always, always, always an honor to be able to talk to you guys. As you may have noticed, my voice is a step lower today. I don't know what that's about. I don't know if I've been fighting a sickness or just have something going on. But either way, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, so as we intro today, we've been going through the book of James, which we know is a letter to the church. So we'll put that into the things. Everything I talk about today is as if James is talking to you because it's the church. He's not talking to non-believers. He's encouraging us as the church to continue to push farther and set the old things aside and move forward. And so the thing that I felt like the Lord wanted me to introduce as far as introduce what I'm going to talk about today is just this idea that there is a battle. And as I was at work yesterday, the Lord just kept pouring this thing into me like there's a battle that's going on. As we talk about wisdom from above and how that contrasts the wisdom that comes from the earth or natural wisdom, if you will, there's a battle there. Which do you choose? And, and for a black and white polar type of person, this is an easy thing for me to understand because for me, it's one or the other. There's no gray with me. I'm, I'm either all in or all out, and that's just the way that it is. And so the Lord that was teaching me yesterday as I was, or Friday as I was working, I'm just sitting there slinging boards and sweating and sawdust all over me. The Lord was just continuously telling me that there's a battle that's happening. There's a battle for our hearts all day, all week. There's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. There's a battle between the anxieties of life and the peace that he carries and gives to us. And I don't know if any of you tried to go to the fair last night. There's a battle for anxiety and peace as I initially decided that, you know, me and my wife were going to have a date night. We were going to go to the fair and I don't live that far from the fair. I came out to Route 13, and I saw that the cars were back to Greenwood. I don't know if you saw. There was a couple cars over here on the side. That's where they ended up parking them. That's a joke. That's not real. But I, I joked about that. <laughs> that was a lot of cars. So anyway, we, we looked at it, and we said, not a chance. And in that moment, I realized that everything I'm talking about today is, is valid because there was no peace there. And if you were trying to get there or get away... I, I just tried to get across the highway, and my anxiety was through the roof, and Angie was trying to sit in my lap and trying to go. No, it's not real. <laughs> no. But she wanted to drive is what I was saying because apparently I was not doing a good job or trying to kill us. I don't know. That's normal. She always likes to drive. I probably should just let her. But anyway, she wins. That's the point. But anyway, all those things to say that a lot of times we have that anxiety that, that carries and, and we can either choose to live in that world or we can choose to have that peace. We can choose Jesus and his wisdom or we can choose to be wise and knowledgeable in our own rights. And the reality of this to me comes in that at one point, and again, this is just me being me, one of those is going to win. And there's an old saying that the dog that you feed more is going to win, and that's what it is. So if you want more of the Lord, you have to feed that. If you want or if you choose to feed the other, then you'll probably live in a little bit more of that um, angst and anxiety and those things that 
the Lord is trying to save us from. And so that's the things that we're going to talk about today, that, that the, the balance between those two. So, well, I looked at the wrong one. Let's start over. James chapter 3. Um, so we just came from a, a message about taming the tongue, and that leads us into where we're going um, because we realize that um, as we talk about the fruit and we talk about the wisdom, a lot of those things come from the heart, you know, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So let's continue on. I have my Bible so that I can keep reading. And it's easier for me because it's hard for me to see the back. So I'm just going to bring this old thing out. We don't use this thing very much anymore um, from the pulpit, I mean. We normally have our screens, but I think it's going to be good for me. So James 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works. In the meekness of wisdom. And then we'll stop there for one moment. So by your good deeds. By your good deeds. With gentleness and humility. Is is the verse that I chose from the Amplified. But with wisdom. And the gentleness and humility that comes with true wisdom. So it's, 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 it's not the normal wisdom that we've, we, we think about. It's not, it's not all the book knowledge. It's not the same thing. You know, wisdom and knowledge in, in the context of the world is not the same. I could be really, really smart. I could know all the things. But a lot of times I feel like those, the knowledge and the wisdom that comes from man and the, 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 the things that come from books kind of puts us on a pedestal, doesn't it? Well, don't you know how smart I am? And I, I figured this thing out. I was, I was really, uh, I read it and this is what happened. And and sometimes we can put Jesus on the back burner in the Bible on the back burner and say, no, 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 I know better. I know this. I went to seminary, you know. Um, and obviously, that is what it is. But if the seminary doesn't lead you closer to Jesus in the Bible, then guess what? I don't know. But the point is, what does that look like? What is wisdom? What is true wisdom? It's not really, a, it's not just, you know, how smart you are. And a lot of times there's a difference, like I said, between natural wisdom and knowledge and and what the Lord is trying to do in that supernatural godly wisdom. So what is wisdom? Proverbs, Proverbs? No. Proverbs 9.10 is written by the wisest man ever, uh, Solomon. And it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So let's dig a little bit deeper. What is the fear of the Lord? So the fear of the Lord, and, and, and a lot of times I think it might get a little bit of a, it, you might get a little confused because you know, whom the sun sets free is free indeed, and there's no fear in love, right? We got it. So when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we, we get a little anxious and go, ah, how does that work? And I think the, the reality of the situation to me is that the fear of the Lord is not, is not being afraid of him. It's not being afraid of him. I, I can tell you in myself, I can walk this earth and I have no fear that the Lord is going to just, well, I can't really say that. I do have a fear of the Lord just deciding my, that my time is up because I have a family that I really like to spend time with. But I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of the Lord. And I think that when you live your life in a way 
that has this mind frame that the Lord can come back in any time and whatever he finds me doing, I'm okay with that, then where is there room to be afraid? Of the Lord, I mean. So the fear of the Lord is, it looks like church to me. It looks like reverence. It looks like praising him. It looks like honoring him with everything that we have. It looks like putting him first. It looks like putting him on the throne and we just serve him. I think in our society, I think if you're looking at the difference between natural wisdom and godly wisdom, it's putting him on the throne or putting me on the throne and hoping that God comes on my boat, in my ship, with me, and just follow me, Jesus. We're going, right? And that is natural wisdom, and that is what we'll talk about in a second when it pertains to prideful wisdom and jealousy and all the things that come along with that. But the reality is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's just the beginning of wisdom. And if you don't have that, then you'll have no idea what it is that we're talking about. It's not about being afraid. The Bible says that he is coming back. He is coming back for a pure and spotless bride, right? So that means that he wants us to be doing the things. When he comes back, we need to be doing the things that bring him honor, that bring him praise, that, that, that proves why he created us in the first place, for relationship, to be like him, to to seek him with all of our hearts. He's coming back for a bride. He's not coming back for someone that is doing all the things that the world is doing. That would be different, right? But he wants a pure and spotless bride. And so our goal should be chasing after him and continuously purifying ourselves. And we will talk about that at the end because he is doing that with us. He is purifying us continually, but we have to put him first and foremost. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning. A lot of times I think we know we live in a culture that uh, does not fear the Lord. We, we fear many things, and uh, I think that many times we, we choose to do our own ways, and that has nothing to do with the Lord because we, like I said, want just to have him with us, and hey, we'll, just, we'll just do this thing. And um, even a lot of times in, in our culture, we see that um, it doesn't matter. Oh, we, we made one decision one time to follow the Lord, and, and it didn't change us, you know. And, but no, you made a decision. And so the thing that I'm encouraging us into is if that decision to follow Jesus didn't change you. It didn't transform you from the person you were to the person you are. Then why did you make that decision in the first place, right? I mean, we all know, hey, like, we want to do this thing, and it's the right thing to do. But we have to allow him to change us. You have to allow him to transform us into the, the things that he's trying to make us to be. It's not just one thing to check mark off the list. It has to change you. If his blood is, is worth anything... It changes you, and it changes you from the old person that you were into the person he wants to make you to be. So it has to change you, and that's what the fear of the Lord looks like. It has to change you. So wisdom is living for him and putting him on the throne, and it's good deeds. There's fruit that comes from following him. There's fruit that comes from fearing the Lord with everything that you have. The fruit comes, the good deeds and humility and gentleness. 
but it's not to be seen. It's not to be seen by others. We heard in James 2 a couple weeks ago that faith without works is dead. What you believe changes you. The things that he's doing in you, it changes you on the outside. The things that he is doing in our culture, it changes how we react. It changes the way that we minister and we are a missionary to everywhere we go. It changes that because we have to know the battle that we're in. Wisdom is knowing and seeking God. Wisdom is doing what he asks and then giving him all the glory. If there's one thing I know, I don't, I don't call myself wise in any stretch, which is only to say that I'm not that smart. Um, I don't have a problem saying that. I, I graduated high school. My parents would tell you that I got decent grades. I tried to go to college for a minute. Don't think I was very good at it. Um, so I quit and just sling boards. And that was the decision that I made. So my point is, I don't believe myself to be very wise. But if we were talking about the wisdom from above, which is the theme of today, then I might be doing it. Because in all of my, in all of myself, all I want to do is seek the Lord. I want to do whatever he asks me to do. And I am going to give him all the glory. And I truly believe that the reason why God has allowed me to do a lot of the things that he's allowed me to do is because those three things are true. It's not because I'm really smart. It's not because I went to seminary and I have wise things to say. It's because I allow him to speak and I give him all the glory. And that's just what I believe. And I hope that doesn't come across as prideful because that would be the anti of what I was trying to do. So verses 14 through 16 will continue on. Now, this is the other side of the coin, as they say, 14 through 16. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Do not be arrogant. Do not be arrogant and say, look how wise I am and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. So the other side of the coin looks like that. Pride. To me, all of those things that, that, that come in those verses is, is all about me. It's all about putting me on the throne. It's all about, look at how wise I am. It's, lo- it's about looking to the interests of me. It's bitter jealousy. Why are you... Why are you more important than me? Why are you better than me? Why I want to become more like you. And it's selfish ambition. It's look at how smart I am. It's arrogance saying this is, this is what it's all about. Because if that wisdom points at you, secular, unspiritual, and demonic even. Those are some strong words, folks. Demonic? I don't know. Anyway, things to think about, right? I mean, you know, put that through the ringer of, you know, discernment and, and, and Jesus. But at the end of the day, it's, it's leading us to choose between the two. Do we want to be about these things, humility and gentleness, all those good words? And I think if you were to ask each one, no, 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 I want to be gentle. I want to be humble. But how does your life flesh that out? Do you point people towards yourself and say, hey, look how wise I am? Or do you 
put it back on God and say, hey, he's done a mighty work in my life, right? I think as we look at the very first sin that, that happened in, in, in the third book or the third chapter of Genesis as Adam and Eve fell, to me, it comes back to, I think to me, everything comes back to pride, but maybe that's just because I've struggled with it my whole life. But in the first, in the first sin, we know that Adam and Eve chose to eat, to eat of the tree that they weren't supposed to. And so obviously the first sin you could say, no, 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 it was disobedience. Yes, that's true. But how did, how did the enemy lure them in? How did he lure them in? By asking them these two simple, just easy questions that anyone that's wise would be able to answer. Why is God holding this tree back from you? It's a really simple question. Yeah, why would he do that? And secondarily, why, why doesn't he want you to be like him? Essentially is the question. He knows that the second that you eat it, you'll be like him. And what that is to me is why don't you, why doesn't he want you to be like him? Why doesn't he want you to do? And then what it turns out to be is we want, I want to be on the throne. This is God and we created in his image like we know those things, but I want to be on the throne with him or maybe at least, you know, on a secondary tier throne right here, right there, maybe. You know what I mean? We want to be on that level. And what that looks like is pride. That's what that looks like. That looks like selfish ambition. I want to be this. It's, it's um, James and John's mother. Hey, I want one of my sons on the right and one of my sons on the left. It's not my place to give you that, but it's not about that. It's about serving. It's about putting yourself low. It's about humility and gentleness. It's not about the selfish ambition. So that's what he's talking about. And the very first sin, the very first thing of theme, to me is pride, thinking that we want to be like God. The bad news was, like always, the true wisdom is we are like God. He created us in his image. We are his heirs. We are everything that he made us to be. And when we get to heaven, that's going to be a lot cleaner and purer and more able to be seen. But even now, we can carry sonship with us. We don't have to be that that. Oh, just this way. Although that's sometimes good with humility. But the point is, we are his sons. And if we carry that, then maybe that's where we'll go. Adam and Eve just wanted to be like God, on the throne with him. And the reality is they were already like God. And so, let's really try as we continue forward to stray away from what the wisdom on earth looks like. And now let's talk about, in verse 17, the wisdom that comes from above. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and good fruits. We're going to talk about fruits. Impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So the wisdom from above is pure and peaceable and gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, full of good fruits. And it produces a harvest of righteousness. And the reality to me is that this harvest is then continuously re-sown. 
And at harvest is the purity and the, and the, and the peace and the gentle. And then you, re, you re-sow it. And then you harvest it again. It's a continual thing to bring people together. It's a harvest for, of peace for peacemakers, it says. And as we know, as peacemakers, that is bringing people together. That is not separating, you know, obviously the opposite of peace is separating us and them and it's us against you. It's a war of sorts. It's a battle of sorts. No, it's bringing people together. And these things, this wisdom, those traits, that's, that fruit, it brings people together. Sowing continuously, harvesting continuously to be more like him and bring others into that same knowledge and that same thing. We want to keep moving. So what is the Lord What is he calling us to today? He's calling us to purity. He's calling us to choose him over our own desires. You know, purity a lot of times is used in this context. But that context is all of the context put together, right? If you're pure in your relationships, if you're pure in your marriage, It comes from a position of choosing Jesus over your own desires. Doesn't matter whether you're single, married, whatever. A pure lifestyle looks like putting him first. Putting him first. Putting your marriage first. Putting the things of him, the covenants that come with that first. If you're not married, it looks like putting him first. And choosing what he wants for you. And not satisfying your own desires instead of that, right? So purity in everything is choosing him first. In every aspect of your life, Jesus, what would you do with me in this situation? Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to do this or do this? And he wants to speak to you. But that wisdom comes from those fruits that we keep talking about. It's a cyclical thing. So purity is choosing him over our own desires, Peace, it's bringing people together and not dividing them. Wisdom looks like gentleness. It's coming alongside people and encouraging them where they are. It's not from selfish ambition saying, you need to fix that, you need to do this. No, 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 no. If you're anything like me, I don't hear that. You wanna come down to my level and say, hey man, like this is what we wanna do. Let's just to one step at a time. That's gentleness. It's not zealousness. My dad can tell you, I used to be a zealous person. I, was, I lacked gentleness. But now I think that I'm doing a lot better with that. I think he would agree. Gentleness, coming alongside people and encouraging them more. And open to reason, right? So that's more, that's like humility too. That's allowing yourself to be sharpened. I think a lot of us would tell you it's easy. You know, our, iron sharpens iron. You know, we all hear that. Yup, yup, that's good. I I need to sharpen some people. You know what I mean? Like, God chose me. I'm the sharpener. Right? It's easy for me. I can tell you. I'll be honest with you. You guys know I'm transparent about this. But it's not as easy to be sharpened by someone else. It's not easy for someone to come along and say, hey, maybe you should do this. I mean, I've been married for going on six years now. Between Angie and and my two girls, I'm sharpened often. (laughs) I have no problem with it. Uh, and that's not, that's a little bit of a not, uh, I do have a little problem with it, 
I'm not easily sharpened, but I think that I do good once the Lord comes back in. So which brings us back to the battle that we're always in. But anyway, so there's opening yourself up to reason and humility, knowing that I need to be sharpened. Mercy, forgiving those who have wronged you. You want to be wise? You want to hear from the Lord? Because all this wisdom comes down from him, right? You have to get the unforgiveness, the bitterness, and the anger out of the way. The first thing that the Lord told me when I came back to him was, look, if you don't get rid of this anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, then everything that I try to do through you will be filtered through that pain and that rejection. So if you don't get that out, you can't get the wisdom that comes from above because it'll just be filtered through the pain. So you got to have that mercy. You got to have that forgiveness. And you have to be impartial, right? Pastor Andy talked about impartial. You know, you have to be impartial to the, to the Broncos fans. And, the, you know, the, as we know, he talked about it. You know, obviously, the Cowboys are God's team. They put a hole in the roof so he could watch us. It's not, it's not everyone knows that. You can fight it, but there's no impartiality. But seriously, there's no, impar- <laughs> yeah. there's no impartiality. It's loving all. It's, it's, it's going down to the low, and it's not coming alongside the person that's right next to you. It's, it's, yes, it's also that. But it's, it's going out to the highways and by picking people up and bringing them to your, to your level, if you will, and, and bringing them where you are and showing them what, what true wisdom and what Jesus truly looks like. Because if we just keep them in their muck and the mire and we don't put out our hands, then who are we? We talk about the good Samaritan, right? You come by and you say, hey, friend, I don't know what your problem is. And you look dirty and you look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you with me. Let's go. You know, it's not, oh, it's, no. You know what I mean? Like, so we have to come alongside those ones. It's not, there's no partiality when it comes to Jesus. He doesn't treat us with partiality, right? He doesn't look at us in our muck and our mire and say, well, you better clean yourself up, buddy. Nope. He picks us up where we are. He's standing right there waiting for us to turn around. You heard me say that last time I was here. He's waiting for us to choose him. And it's sincere. It's not fake. There's no show. There's no pride. It's just bringing him glory. It's so pure and it's so sincere. I just want to see him lifted high. And lastly, it's full of good fruit. Because all of these things are that good fruit. And that fruit continues to come out. It continues. We, we reap the harvest and then we sow it back in. It's full of good fruit. And those things are true wisdom. The reality of the situation is that these things cannot, they cannot be mustered up from you. It cannot come from you. It's not natural and it's not normal. If you, if you know anything, you know that in yourself, and I, you can look at it, and in, 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 I, I was explaining this to my daughter, Kendall, she's three, and then Sky is, is not yet a year, but I was explaining it to Kendall actually yesterday, and, and, and Kendall goes, um, Sky is not being kind. <laughs> she doesn't know how to be unkind. She doesn't know how, like it's just 
the way that you're born, you're not born into holiness. You're not born into those things. Those are things that you learn. So it's not her fault that she's selfish. She wants the toys. That's what she wants. You don't have to teach her to be selfish. She doesn't know she's selfish because she's nine months or 10 months, right? But that's just what she wants. She gets what she wants. When she's hungry, she gets what she wants. That's just the way of it. And we succumb to that until their minds are where they need to be. And we can teach them not to be selfish. But then it's still not easy because innately and in the flesh, in this battle that we're in, we are selfish. And the reality is no matter how holy you get and how wise you get, there are times in my life I'm going to tell you I was in the battle all week. When I get selfish, I get, I get, and I wouldn't call it selfish in the ways that, you know, selfish, like I want my stuff, but it's prideful. It's, can't they see? Can't they see what I do for this company? Can't they see how hard I work? And it's all about me. That's, that's about me. That's flesh. Those are fleshly thoughts. It's not about, oh God, just glorify yourself in me. Not in that moment it wasn't. Now, did I get to that? Hopefully, but the flesh is at the door, right? And so my point in saying all this stuff is that we are in a battle. Continuously, we're in a battle, a battle in your mind and a battle everywhere we go to do the things that God is calling us to do or, or, or succumb to our own ways. Be Jesus or be selfish, whatever that is. And I'm sorry if that comes across really polar. I've had a week, friends, but we're gonna go after it, Right? Do the things that he's calling you to do. And it's not normal and it's not natural. You have to be connected to him. So today, that is the second verse, that's the second passage I want to talk about quickly. And this is where we're going to end up. But John 15, John 15 tells us where does this fruit come from and how do we bear fruit? John 15, verse 5. We're going to start in verse 5. And it says this, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. How do you bear much fruit? You're connected to the vine, and you abide in him. You have to be connected. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch. And withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you will bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and anointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, 
you may get, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Yes, that was a long passage, and yes, I wanted to read it quickly, but the point is this. There's a cycle that you're seeing, right? Be connected to the vine. You will, will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. By this, my Father is glorified. The Father loves me. I love you. Now you abide in my love. So it's a step process, and I am not a process person. I am not a, like, um, uh, theorems of how do you get from here to there and, like, cycles of this is how the Lord always works. No, but I like this. This is fun because this is a cycle of how this world works, right? Abide in him. Produce fruit. Father loves me. You have to abide in his love. Then you, then you bear fruit. You keep his commandments, and that looks like abiding in his love. And then that equals joy. That's where the joy comes. And, and that completes, and you have full joy. And we know also from the scriptures that the joy of the Lord is your strength. So how do you do those things? You, you bear fruit. You abide in his love. He gives you joy. The joy is your strength to keep on cycling that thing back over and over again. Abide in my love. And, you're, and you would want to love each other. That love lays down your life for your friends. And by the way, I don't think it's just your life. I think there's a lot of times in our lives, this is what the Lord was sharing with me this week, there's a lot of people that would say, you know what, I would die for you. A lot of people wouldn't die for you, but I'm willing to die for you. But the question that I think the Lord is asking us today is what about, what about the little ones? I'm willing to die for you because you know, I know that that's what the Lord would ask. But am I willing to do the little things? Am I willing to step aside and let you get the glory? Am I willing to step aside and and, and let you do the things? Am I going to, you know, let you get the spotlight? Am I going to let you, am I going to do the little things like giving you my seed or do this? You know, the little things that that are harder, I would say. Because, well, I don't know if it's harder. But it's the everyday things than the drastic things. Does that make sense? Maybe more so. But anyway. Laying down your will for everybody else, for the Lord. Choosing them over yourself. And I chose you. It says in verse 16, I chose you to go and bear fruit. Um, I don't know if you guys realize this, but when he says, I chose you, that means you. Every one of you, go and bear fruit. That is his will for you. That is his will for you. He wants you to go, bear fruit. Abide in his love, complete your joy, go after it, and keep going. Every day, every minute of every day, it's the cycle of producing, abiding, laying your life down. And again, it's not easy. It's not normal. It's not natural. And you have to be connected. It's, it's not going to happen innately by itself. It has to be done continuously, Right? So unfortunately, I have two more verses, and that's funny in and of itself, but now you'll understand why I said that. But the beginning of the passage, verse 15 and verse 1, written to the church, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit 
he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And the reason that one gets me today is because we are in a season, friends, when I speak for me as we, but I am in a season where I feel as if the Lord is continuously pruning me. And I'm okay with that as far as it pertains to me, right? I'm, a, I'm allowed, I, I think I've given him free reign over, hey, um, Aaron, I need you to work on these things. I'm okay with that. But as you may know, in the times that you've heard me, if you're new here, you haven't heard this, but you'll hear it today. The things that the Lord works on me and works in me the most is when the world, as they say, lets me down, right? When, when I have people that are really, really close to me pass away or, or he uses those things to prune me the most. Because in those moments when we lose someone that we shouldn't have or when we lose a good friend or, or when God decides it's their time to go in situations like that or when someone hurts us, it's in those moments that you, that you have to be connected to the vine. Because if you're not connected, whoa, let me tell you, you won't make it. You won't make it. And I know that in my own life, I've gone through that fire a few times, and I went through it this week, and it was not easy. But I can tell you, with no pride involved, that the only time I made it through a couple years ago, and the only way I made it through this week, and the only reason that I'm standing up here this morning is because I have a God who knows. I have a God who knows what he is doing. I have a God that I can trust and say, God, I don't know about this. I have no idea why this makes sense to you, but I'm going to keep chasing after you because I have to. There is no other way. Because if I don't have you, I don't have anything, right? So let's chase after him, and we have to trust him no matter what. Because when he prunes us, it's not easy. When he prunes us, it hurts. But we have to trust the gardener because he's the only one that knows what he's doing, right? And I think the thing that I was thinking about this week as we prepare for communion now also, we're gonna put this into the old combo platter, right? As we talk about communion, we know that in the same way as he's pruning us, he was willing to sacrifice his own son for us. So if he's willing to sacrifice his son, he's probably willing to hurt us a little bit or allow, no, let me start over. He's not hurting us, but he's allowing us to be hurt a little bit, right? He's, he's going to cut you a little bit. I was listening to a sermon this week where the guy said, look, the reality is this. If you have, a, if you have kids and they're about to get run over by a car, you're going to push them out of the way and they might skin their knee a little bit. But they're alive, right? And so he's willing for you to get hurt a little bit for your good. But do we trust him? Do we trust him? The Bible says, by his stripes, we are healed. So the outcome is worth the thing that happened. 
And he chose that for us. It's not like we said, Jesus, you have to die so that we can live. No, that's backwards, isn't it? He chose to die so that we could live with him forever and be transformed by what he did for us. He chose us. Then we can choose him. So as the worship team comes and we prepare for that communion and as we prepare for ministry, I want you to have that mind that we've been talking about. Putting your will aside. The, 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 the attributes of purity and peace and gentleness. Those things which can only come from him. The fruit that can only come from him. Are those the things that we're going after? Are we going after the things that lift us up? True wisdom looks like these things. And it produces this kind of fruit. And then secondarily... Are we willing, are we willing to allow the Lord to prune us and make us more like him? Why? So that we can produce more fruit. Because let's be honest, guys, it's all about the fruit. It's all about what Jesus has done in our lives and what that produces in us. How do we take the sacrifice that he made and produce that in us? Produce more fruit. And the reality is, it comes from walking through the fire. We sang that this morning. There's another in the fire. And that's a little bit of a different point. But the point is, in that fire, he's with us. And in that fire, he wants to produce purity in us. Right? So I invite you guys to stand. I invite you guys to take the elements that were given to you as you entered the doorways. And this morning, as we move into ministry time, it's, it's one, it's only this to me, and you guys know this. Like I said, the Bible says, by his stripes, by his blood, you are healed. So I'm going to pray. But this morning, I have an invitation for you. This morning, if there's an aspect of your life that you need healing, it's not just physical healing it's it's emotional spiritual the things that we've been talking about if you if you feel like pride is winning the day if you feel like you're losing the battle that i've talked about i want you to come up to this altar and take that communion up here and we will pray with you take it up here take a step of faith and say lord i need healing by this blood slash grape juice that I'm about to drink, you've promised that you will heal me of these things. And so we're gonna pray for that. So if you need healing of any sort, please come take communion up here. For everyone else, I'm gonna pray the same thing back there as I do up here. But let me pray, and then we'll take the elements. Um, I obviously do things a little differently, as you may know. Um, but I, I really feel strongly that the Lord wants us this morning to really ponder the things that he is telling us. If you thought that I did a decent job, great. But if I didn't, it's okay. He is doing a work 
in your life. And I want you to know those things and ponder those things. So as you're taking the communion with yourself, I want you to just pray out to the Lord. Lord, is there anything that you want to change and transform in me? Is there anything that you would like to do in me? And then feel free to take those elements with him. It's just you and him this morning. It's just you and him. So as we worship, take the elements at your leisure or take it now as I pray. It's up to you. It's up to you. But make sure that you do the business with the Lord this morning. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for the wisdom that can only come from you. Lord, we thank you for the fruit that can only come from being connected to you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that by your stripes, we are healed. So, Lord, this morning, we just pray, Lord, that the ones that are at the altar, the ones that will be at the altar, Lord, the ones that need your healing, I pray, Lord, your blood over them right now. In Jesus' name. Bless them, heal them, and allow them to serve you with every aspect of your being held, held back by nothing. Nothing. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you decided to sacrifice your son and he decided to go willingly to glorify your name. And Lord, this morning I pray. I pray that we would be willing and we would allow you to be the gardener and prune us. And in the midst of the fire and in the midst of the trial and in the midst of the pruning, Lord, we would look to you and say, God, I don't like it, but I trust you because we're lost without you. So, Lord, I pray your blessing, Lord, over this church. I pray your your blessing over these people, Lord, that have always supported me and always encouraged me and allow me to get up here and just pour my heart out. Lord, bless them. Heal them in Jesus' name. And Lord, just let us always look to you, the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of every good thing. And we just give it all to you, Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Amen.